All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. More than 30 million people have read Veronica Roth's work. She is the author of the best-selling Divergent series for young adults. Those books follow a group of teenagers who try to reshape the dystopian world they've been handed, becoming heroes in the process. Roth's new novel, Chosen Ones, is her first for adults, and it follows what happens to teenage heroes once the dust has settled, the world has been saved, and they become adults of unimaginable fame. The novel begins 10 years after a group of five teenagers known as The Chosen Ones saved America by defeating an evil being called The Dark One. Our protagonist is Sloane. She's a woman. She's dealing with her fame and with her PTSD by closing off from the world and from those who love her. But when it appears The Dark One might not have been defeated after all, Sloane and her fellow Chosen Ones are reluctantly dragged back into action, and Sloane has to face her trauma and unique relationship with the Dark One head-on. Chosen Ones is available now for purchase, hopefully by your local independent bookstore. And Veronica Roth joins me now. Veronica, welcome to all of it. Hi, thanks for having me. So when you sat down and you thought, what were some of the themes or avenues that you wanted to explore by writing a novel explicitly for adults? Well, I think... um for me, it was a little bit about playing with some of the tropes that we all grew up with, because in science fiction and fantasy, the Chosen One story is the staple, you know, Lord of the Rings and half the Narnia books and Harry Potter and Dune, like they are all Chosen One stories. And I've always been curious about what comes after, which mm-hmm. I think is very uh, sort of a relatable question for anyone who has become an adult and then tried to navigate the kind of weightless feeling that you have after you've achieved something that you've worked your whole life for. So this is a kind of exaggeration of that. Um, And it's about a little bit more of taking responsibility for yourself as an adult than figuring out who you are, which is the, you know, the kind of central question of coming of age literature. This is like the post coming of age Mm -hmm. question. What, what was different for you? in terms of your approach and your process in writing this book as, a pair to, as compared to your other books? You know, not a lot changed, actually. Mm-hmm. I think I continue to grow as a writer, you know, and um, that's always a central concern for me, just addressing things as thoughtfully and uh, with as much nuance as possible, and that gets easier and harder <laughs> the older I get. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of change in terms of the switch in age category. Um, I approach my YA novels in much the same way. But the central themes of the book and the kind of con- on a conceptual level, that was the real difference. And then considering, mm. you know, the maturity of the characters and how they would likely respond to these situations was, um, was my main focus. How do you go about world building? Because you build entire worlds in this book. And, and, they're, and they have to be believable. And they are. So how do you strike that balance between the fantastic and then the fantastic that we have to believe actually exists? 
Well, fortunately for me, I had an editor who was very focused on those questions, like uh, really laser focused on world building (laughs) questions. Um, And he asked me a lot of questions. So that helped a lot. But um, what's what's an example of a question an editor would ask you about that? Oh, so he was like, well, what happened to computers? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, how is you know, how would the like proliferation of magic over the over the whole earth affect our technology you know which is something i didn't do in the rough draft but then i just kept layering in more and more detail um with every round of editing that i did um until i don't know it's and there are also these uh documents interspersed throughout the text that mm-hmm. are like fake government documents and articles and poetry and you know uh, textbook excerpts and stuff like that. And that really helped me to add in a whole lot of detail and complexity that I wouldn't otherwise have done if I had just been a straightforward, uh, if it had just been a straightforward narrative. My guest is Veronica Roth. The name of her new novel is Chosen Ones. So you mentioned magic because magic exists in this world you're created, but not in a wand waving sort of magic. It's, it's <laughs> a power, it's a power thing. Um, how did you go about identifying what you wanted the magic to be? Well, I wanted to think of it more as a force that we do not yet understand. So they call mm-hmm. it magic, but, you know, what is it really? And um, I tried to balance the a kind of romance with a kind of science. So um, the magic is based on sound frequency, which is something that, you know, you can obviously measure and replicate perfectly. But there is this other quality to the magic system in this book, which is that it's motivated by desire. Um, a desire specifically for the impossible to happen. And that was crucial because my main character, Sloane, is kind of struggling with depression and with PTSD, and she doesn't really know what her desires are, and she feels unsafe in her desire. So um, having that be the central concern of magic also helped to facilitate her character development, which is great. I love when things can do two jobs. (laughs) In the novel, we're introduced to America, Chicago, um, in particular, and it's still recovering from this this trauma caused by the Dark One. Can you describe for my listeners, without giving too much away, um, who <laughs> the Dark One was and the type of destruction that was caused? Yeah, so the Dark One was like your classic Dark Lord figure, you know, just like hell-bent on destruction. And he uh, appeared through these, what first appeared to be these natural disaster type events mm-hmm. that were called the drains, which are basically your classic, like, people being ripped apart kind of horrible, um, horrible events. And, you know, so for a long time in this world, they were trying to explain them as like this strange natural phenomenon or alien invasion or any kind of explanation, but it turns out they were focused on this man. Um, and he later kind of kidnapped Sloan and one of her fellow chosen ones. And that's sort of like the backstory of Sloan um, mm-hmm. that kind of unfolds throughout the course of the novel. So we, we meet the chosen ones and they first they think it's gonna be a chosen one, but it turns out to be five chosen ones. Was there a reason you, you picked the number five? No, probably not. Uh, I love the number five. I had five factions in Divergent, so apparently mm-hmm. this is just like a thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and of the five, um, what were the sort of five personality types you wanted to to bring to the story? Well, my focus in developing them at first was just in deciding how each of them would relate to their fame, because I thought that mm-hmm. was a good character-defining thing to center on. So like Sloan 
resents being famous and hates it. Um, and her boyfriend, Matt, who is like the, the most chosen one of all five of them, takes it on as a responsibility to do something good. And some, one of the other ones like loves it and starts a lifestyle brand. And, you know, like the other two are both paranoid and struggling. And one of them, you know, struggle with substance abuse and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So just defining those characteristics for them um, helped me to create this kind of these types, you know, the way that people relate to becoming suddenly well-known and to and cope with their past trauma says a lot about them. So that's kind of where I started, and then I built from there with each character. You know who I, I thought of when I was reading? I have, and I don't know if it, you you thought of this as well. I thought of the Parkland kids a little ah. bit. Because the way, and I don't know if we had it, we had them uh, one of them on and uh, a couple weeks ago, and there's a documentary about what their life was like, you know, sort of immediately after, and that media sort of frenzy around them and what it did to them personally, and, you know, they're considered heroes for by many people, and I thought, wow, this could actually sort of, this sort of mirrors that a little bit. Well, I think it certainly wasn't on my mind when I was writing, but we do lay a lot of burdens on young people. Um, And that's, I mean, writing for young people for a while, that's some, that was kind of a focus for me. Mm. Um, And so I think you're right to pick up on it being a thing that we do and a thing that would be really hard for a young person. These burdens are too heavy for, for young people to bear, but we let them do it. And I find that to be very morally complicated. Um, or maybe not complicated at all, <laughs> um, but maybe just morally questionable. Um, but we do it all the time. My guest is Veronica Roth. The name of her new novel is Chosen Ones. So we see the Chosen Ones working against systems outside of systems like like um, government. And that's the, as you mentioned, like Chosen One tropes, like people we see in other works of literature. But in this particular one, these Chosen Ones were recruited for and working for the government, uh, what <laughs> makes you laugh, right? What tensions exist in that relationship? Well, I mean, the idea is that the government is not primarily concerned with their well-being. They have mm-hmm. greater concerns, which is to a certain degree understandable, because when you're looking at the dis- imminent destruction of the world, like five young people's lives and sanity doesn't seem like such a high price to pay. But being one of those five people, makes that really complicated. So through the first part of the novel, Sloan submitted a Freedom of Information Act request, and she's reading the documents that are about her and discovering that people really used her in order to accomplish their goals, which Mm -hmm. is something that she has, you know, profoundly mixed feelings about, as you might understand. Yeah, there's this really interesting interaction when she is basically saying to them, you just want to, you want to weaponize things. You keep saying you want to help to this government official, but you really just want to, to, to weaponize. Is she, is she paranoid? Is she right? Is she both? Well, I don't know that she's paranoid. I feel like she, <laughs> <laughs> she kind of brings up the space race, which was one of the things I researched a lot for developing an alternate history in this novel. But um, the space race, you know, which sounds very like, we were going to the moon, like how great, was actually about the development of ballistic missile technology. And so she kind of points out that um, they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouths a lot of the time, which maybe she just shares my general wariness of of the government. <laughs> Not to put my tinfoil hat on or anything, I'm, I have, a, I think, a healthy level of wariness. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so interesting. You you choose specific years for the alternate universe. Is there a reason for the years you choose? I'm thinking 1969. Is that because of space? Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be a relatively recent point of divergence, just from uh, from like a world building perspective. If the universe is split any earlier than 1969, there would be so many drastic differences in the way that people talk and the way they relate to each other that it wouldn't feel as grounded to us. It would feel way more like a fantasy world. And so I wanted it to be um, a kind of like close, uh, a close universe to our own. Um, And I looked for potential destructive events that could have occurred that kind of released this force into the world and just went on a weird, I mean, a really weird thought journey <laughs> um, where, oh, like, yeah, the, the split between the universes happens because in this other universe, they didn't do a space race. They did a race to the deepest parts of the ocean, which mm-hmm. are, you know, unexplored and strange and mysterious. So um, that was kind of my whole philosophy of the world building there. Veronica, as a writer... How do you know, and this might be another conversation you have with your editor, about pace, about filling us in on these details and letting the reader, between letting the reader guess or infer, how do you, how do you know how to create that pace of, of keeping us informed yet keeping us sort of guessing? Well, I think part of it is an instinct you develop over the course of a lifetime of reading. So that's like, I mean, reading is the most important thing a writer can do to improve, I think. Um, But there's another thing, which is that you go through a lot of drafts as a writer. And so it's not like I write the rough draft and everything unfolds at a perfect time and, um, and that's that. Um, in revision, you kind of learn, oh, we needed to know this information sooner, or, oh, we don't really need that information yet. So you can take things out and put things back in. And um, I think sometimes we don't emphasize that enough about writing, which is that you can always change it and fix it. And you do um, over the course of many drafts. Some people don't have many drafts, but I do. (laughs) So um, that's kind of how I approached the pacing. What did you What did you read? What are some of the things that you've read that have, you think have really had an impact and helped make you uh, a better writer? Well, I, I try to read pretty widely. So my interest is primarily in science fiction and fantasy. So there's obviously a lot of that. Um, and for this book, you know, just the, our classic chosen one stories like Dune by Frank Herbert or. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I don't know, uh, like The Giver by Lois Lowry when I was a kid, or Ender's Game, or books like that kind of influenced that part of the world building here. But just in terms of, like, how I um, have learned as a writer, I mean, I had to read a lot of Alice Munro in in my classes in college, and I've since kept reading her, and George Saunders is an amazing voice, Mm -hmm. and um, Marilyn Robinson. And, you know, you can learn even from especially from writers who don't write the kind of thing that you do. And there's no, really no resemblance between my work and, and people like that um, who are pretty legendary. But um, you can learn a lot by looking at how they approach things and how they describe things and um, how they capture character. So I think, yeah, reading as widely as possible is one of my main focuses in terms of growing. 
My guest is Veronica Roth. The name of her new novel is Chosen Ones. So this book was published on April 7th. And nobody knew what April 7, 2020 would look like when you're writing <laughs> yeah. this and when you're putting this all together. Um, what's this experience been like for you to release a book during a pandemic? Well, you know, it's not a great time to be doing anything, but... Um, I have my health and I have my safety and my job is relatively unthreatened. And so that is a huge blessing. Um, and I feel very fortunate in that respect. But we've had to shift everything online. So I did a kind of live or virtual tour last week. Um, and I have the last event of that tonight. But um, I did conversations with other authors that were broadcast on Twitch, which is not a platform that I was previously familiar with in <laughs> any way. Um, so I've had to learn a lot about video conferencing and also about streaming and how all of those things have worked. But I feel uniquely suited to that because um, I am an enthusiastic user of some social media platforms. So I feel like I at least have the language um, to know how to adapt to this situation, which is great. And I think people are looking to dive into other worlds while they can, while they have all this time on their hands. The name of the novel is Chosen Ones. Veronica Roth has been our guest. Hey, Veronica, thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.